Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 32 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And in today's episode, um, I know it's been a while since, you know, um, I was, um, again, uh, on a break uh, for, you know, work purposes and whatnot. But um, we're back here, inshallah, with a new topic. And today's topic is pretty simple, yet it's at the same time pretty complicated for a lot of Muslims, which is uh, patience, the issue of patience and how can we be more patient uh, when we are hit with a calamity or, you know, we're, when we're waiting for something to happen, but it's not happening yet. Um, uh, all these things, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us how to navigate through patience and how to have patience and how there will be a reward for patience, whether what you wanted um, happened or not. And the Prophet sallallahu there are many hadith regarding patience. Uh, but before we start talking, I just want to point out that uh, for all the listeners, again, thank you so much for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you immensely for, you know, trying to get more knowledge. Um, and again, uh, uh, if you have any questions, please email me at delvingtoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Um, uh, email me all your questions and inshallah, I will be... Um, able to answer you and if not i will ask the right you know scholars and i'll get back to you with the right answer inshallah now um uh, this this topic is actually uh i was asked to um bring it up uh or talk about uh by one of our listeners uh by the name of carolyn carolyn thank you so much for uh listening and carolyn is uh, a revert uh, uh, a revert to Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and uh, make your faith even stronger and uh, um, make everybody around you um, accept Islam or at least accept the fact that you're being a Muslim. Um, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you and everybody you know uh, immensely for this. Now, Carolyn wanted me to talk about patient. Well, she, you know, in the email, she wanted me to talk about a, a couple of things. Um, 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 for, so, one of the things, or the first thing that I think we should talk about, is patience, uh, patient, and patience and perseverance, and uh, how can we do that? How can we navigate patience in our, you know, daily lives or when a certain situation happened to us, right? Patience is one of the things of happiness, one of the secrets of happiness in this life. So now here's the thing. Patience is always related to destiny. Patience is always related to destiny. How so? All you need to know is that everything happens for a reason and everything is written. We know that about destiny. We know that about fate, right? Great. So now because everything happens for a reason... And because everything is written, and we know that everything is written, whether it's good or bad, right? How, to, how can we deal with calamities when they hit us? How can we deal with a catastrophe, God forbid, when it happens to us? How can we deal with the death of a loved one? How can we deal with the loss of a job? How can we deal with uh, struggling with family members and loved ones? How can we deal with bad relationships? How can we deal with... 
uh, bad uh, family members, how can we deal with a disease, an illness, a permanent uh, disease? How can we deal with, you know, so many calamities that hit mankind? Well, the number one, the number one, the thing that actually leads to patience is that you know that this has been written upon us. So one of the companions, that, well, that was way after the Prophet ﷺ passed away. I think he was dying, the companion, and then his son found out that his, dad, his father was dying. So he went to him to visit him and he said, Oh, father, give me an advice that you've never given me before regarding, of course, the religion. So his dad was like, okay, he sat up. And when somebody, by the way, that was an indication, if you're lying in bed, uh, tired or, or sick or whatever, and then you sit on the bed, that's an indication that you're about to say something important, right? So his dad sat on the bed and then he's like, listen to me carefully. So he's telling his son, you'll never taste the sweetness of Iman, of faith, until you realize the following. Number one, whatever happened to you was never, ever going to miss you. Number one. So anything that happened to you, good or bad, was always going to happen to you. It was not going to miss you. It was not going to hit someone else or it was not going to not happen to you. It was always going to happen to you. Number one. And the opposite. The second thing is, and whatever did not happen to you, was never ever going to hit you or was never ever going to happen to you just rest assured this is destiny at it you know like in the simplest way possible whatever happened to you was never going to miss you was never going to not happen to you and whatever didn't happen to you was never going to happen to you very simple now knowing this knowing this you should have patience now you have no other choice think about it you have no other choice because you deep down, you have, you have enough faith to know that whatever happened to you was always meant to happen to you, right? So what do you do? You, you yell and you say, why God, why did you choose me? Why? No, that's actually the worst thing you could do. Because first of all, getting angry and blaming this on God, why God, why did you do this? Or blame this on people, like whatever happened to you, blaming on, on you know, like uh, the system or whatever, the government or is the worst thing you could do. Because guess what? It was always meant to happen to you. Like that's, so your only option is now, I, now you know that, okay, it was always meant to happen to me. Now, what do I got to do? I have to be patient. I have to be patient. And here's a beautiful, this is the hadith that I, want, that I, that, that I talked about in the beginning of, of the episode. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ said a beautiful hadith. Look at this. He was sitting with the companions and then he said, Oh, wow. It's very strange, this matter of a believer. So he's like amazed. It's very amazing. This specific matter of a believer. So the companions asked, What matter, O Prophet of Allah? What is it that's so amazing about the believer that made you, you know, you know, get so amazed by? And he said, look at this, beautiful Allah. He said, if anything bad happened to the believer, now it's only the believer because it comes from faith. Your patience comes from your faith, from you being a mu'min, a believer. So he said, when only the believer, when something, a calamity hits the believer, he is patient. 
Hence, Allah rewards him. فَكَانَ خَيْرًا لَهُ It was good for him or her. Because Allah will reward you for being patient. We know that in Islam, the more, uh, anytime you are patient, Allah rewards you immensely for it in the hereafter. So the Prophet ﷺ is saying, this is so amazing. When a believer is hit by a calamity and they're patient, Allah rewards them in the hereafter. So it's good for them, right? And if a believer is hit by something really good, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses you with something that's really good, wealth, health, whatever, children, and you are thankful and they are thankful, also Allah rewards you. So this is basically, it tells you that a believer, it's a win-win situation for the believer. Something bad happens to you, guess what? You're patient, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards you for your patience. Something good happens to you, you're thankful to Allah. You admit that this is coming from Allah. It's also good for you because Allah rewards you for being thankful to Him. Imagine, this is per the perfect life that people think you cannot achieve. No, you can't. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes and we don't fall into you know shortcomings and whatnot. That happens. We have to understand that. But my point is, you want to have a peace, a peaceful mind. You know, a peaceful state of mind. You have to understand that everything happens to you happens for a reason. It was always meant to happen to you. Right? That doesn't mean give up on life or give up on your future or not even try. That's very wrong. You try your best, you do your best, but if something happens to you that you could not control, that means it was always meant to happen to you. Right? Now, how to deal with calamities, how to deal with bad things? Guess what? To deal with them by what? Being patient. Now, while you're patient, that doesn't mean do not work towards solving your problems. That's very wrong too. That's very un-Islamic. Islam tells you, Work your problems. Ask for Allah's help. But while you're doing all this, you have to be very patient. Because being patient actually gives you the stamina, gives you, you know, the, the energy, the motivation. Because already you're not angry, you're not distracted by anger, you're not you're just patient, so now you're relaxed, you're more relaxed, and now you could work towards your problems. Now let's say some problems. You can't even solve. It's not in your head. Like I said, it's not up to you. Then you wait for Allah's decision or Allah's destiny. And all you could do while you're patient is do what? Dua. Make supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Allah to, you know, get you out of this situation. And, and this is basically, this is it. This is why you should be patient. Now, let me tell you some stories that happened to the Prophet ﷺ or previous messengers to help you with your patience a little bit, to give you more motivation, right? So you think that you're living a tough life. You think that, you know what, everything's, everything is against me. Everything, you know, my, my job, I lost my job, my family, I just got divorced, or, you know, I'm having mar you know, marital problems, or, you know, my children are giving me a hard time, we don't go out as much because I don't have money, you know, this COVID-19 thing is happening, and, you know, it's, it's ruining everything financially and economically and mentally, and, okay, great. Before you complain about your situation, always remember that there are people who are way less than you in life. They are less fortunate than you. Think about the refugees. Those who are getting hit hard by the COVID-19 and they're living in, you know, in tents. They live in tents. They live in camps. It's freezing out there, but, well, 
they live in camps. They don't have the luxury of a house like you do. They, ho- they don't have the luxury of, you know, a job like you do. And if you lost your job, they're still worse than you. Because they can't eat and drink, you know, without begging. Remember that. You know, it's beautiful that the Prophet ﷺ told us always when it comes to worldly stuff, you know, health, wealth, children, whatever, always, always look at the people who are less fortunate than you and say, Alhamdulillah, oh, thank Allah for what I have. Don't keep looking at the one with the mansion. Oh, what, this guy who has like a big house or this guy who has, mashallah, big family. Why can't I have something like him or her? Well, because that means you're not being thankful to what Allah has given you. This is the wrong way of thinking again. As a Muslim, you have to be very calm in your life. And you can't be calm while you're looking at people who are, you know, more rich than you or more fortunate than you. At the end of the day, what's the secret? What did I say in the beginning? It was all meant to be. It was all written upon you. Whether you're more fortunate or less fortunate than other people. That's why to give yourself a peaceful mind, look at the people who are less fortunate than you and say, Alhamdulillah for what we have. We're living a great life compared to these people or those people. You know, when somebody complains in your family about like, you know, oh, we don't have enough cheese or we don't have enough, uh, you know, meat uh, on the table. Tell them what? Look at the refugees. They don't have enough water to drink. The basic thing. They're struggling with water. They're struggling with just plain bread. And say, Alhamdulillah. Don't look at the people who eat meat for breakfast or whatever. Even though meat is not even that healthy for you anyway. But I'm just saying. I'm giving you an example. You know? Look at those who are less fortunate than you are. Compare yourself to them and say, Alhamdulillah, I'm in a way better place. Allah has blessed me with a better place. That's it. Now, you are having, still having a problem, you know, coping with, you know, your difficult situations, your calamities. Let's look at the life of the Prophet ﷺ for a second. Please, let's do that. Because I don't know if you guys know a little bit about the Prophet ﷺ, you'll know that he was far from having, you know, um, like a life of luxury or having even like a comfortable life, like a quote-unquote comfortable life. Our standard for comfortable life, that was impossible to reach for the Prophet ﷺ. Let me tell And he was what? The most beloved human being to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The most. The final and finest messenger sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And guess how he lived his life? Let's see. All right, let's talk about that. The first thing that the Prophet ﷺ was tested with, he was tested with wealth. Now, some of you will be like, what? <laughs> How's that a bad thing? How's that a test? How's that a calamity? I'll tell you in a little bit. Being tested with, with wealth is actually a crazy test. Having money. And you don't have to be wealthy. Just living comfortably, like, you said, like we said. is actually a crazy test. Because when you're living comfortably, when you have everything you need... Sometimes you forget to thank Allah. Sometimes your worshiping to Allah doesn't come from, you know, a need. Ah, I'm satisfied. I'm good. So you're not as passionate when you're praying and making dua and making supplication like the poor person. And that's why, and I'm about to like give you something that could be, you know, in- interestingly surprising for a lot of people. Who do you guys think is better in the sight of Allah? Poor worshiper 
or a rich worshiper and they have the same amount of worshiping it's actually the rich why why is the riches better is that cra- isn't that crazy well it's for a very simple reason allah does not look at your money he doesn't care about your money he gives you that money allah cares about what your motivation your emotions when it comes to worshiping him let's think about it if you're rich and you're worshiping allah that's actually shows deep authentic faith because you do not need to do so you do not need to make supplication for allah to make your life or your situation better but then the poor person deep down inside they really need to have a better life so some of the the reasons why they're worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very you know like uh, passionately is selfish they want to have more money they want to have a better career they want to have a better lifestyle so the rich doesn't need to that's why being tested with wealth is a dangerous test because when you're living a, a life of you have a car your wife has a car your children have cars you're like you know eating out every like once in a while um you know you have everything you need you have the the latest uh, phone and, uh, and and technology and tv and you know you're eating the fanciest food at home Many, most of the time that actually distracts you from worshiping allah in a very passionate way in a truthful way that's why those who are wealthy and they still worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thank him for everything they have they are special because they don't need to technically from a worldly perspective i have everything i want why do i have to be passionate and asking allah for you know more or thanking him for you know but that's how it is now the prophet was tested with wealth before, by the way, before he was he became a, a messenger. Just to let you know, he married uh, Khadija, his first wife, and she was a businesswoman. And you know, he was the manager after they got married of her business, and uh, he was doing trades and whatnot. And he was known to be uh, the most humble businessman at the time. He was wealthy, but he was humble. He never looked at people like, "Oh, I'm better than you now." No, he never did. Subhanallah, and that's how you pass the test. Not just by worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while you're wealthy, but also not treating people like you're better than them. This is what Islam tells you and teaches you to do. Be humble all the time because you're nothing compared to other people who are way better than you, whether in history or in current times. You just don't know. You think because you have, because you have more money that you're better than other people, whether they're Muslims or not. You're only better than people when it comes to what? Your faith. You try to be better by getting close to Allah. But because you have money, you think you're better than people? Absolutely not. Money doesn't give you the right to be better than people. Just to let you know. And that's why it's a test. Pay your mandatory charity. Pay for the poor. Feed the poor. That's what the Prophet ﷺ used to do. Again, before Islam, before he became a messenger. This was before the revelation, by the way, when he was wealthy. Because once the revelation came, everything changed. And he actually started to, you know, lose a lot of money. And he became poorer and poorer in terms of, like, financial, financially. So, yeah. He used to pay for the poor. Feed them. Get close to them. He never showed any type of arrogance. He was good to his family. Even though he's wealthy. Some people, when they get money, they change. They become arrogant. They think they're better than people. And that's un-Islamic. Islam tells you always have to be humble because what? 
This money that you have, this wealth, didn't come from you. Some people struggle and they work so hard, even harder than you, and they don't even get half of what you have. So what does that mean? It all comes from Allah. Allah gives whomever He wants. We know that. This is in the, in, in the Quran and in the Hadith. You understand that. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Once you know that what you have is a blessing from Allah, you'll always be humble. So the Prophet was tested with wealth and Alhamdulillah, he passed the test. Now, he was also tested with poverty, the opposite of wealth. How? Well, after the revelation, you know, he started losing all of his assets, all of his money. He started giving to the charity, you know, giving charity to, um, um, to the poor. Now, here's the thing. When he was married to Aisha radiallahu anha, may Allah be pleased with her, it was reported that when he went for pray, so they had a house, right? So here's the crazy part. When they had a house, when the Prophet ﷺ used to go to, to do sujood in, in prayer, you know when you're doing sujood, when you're prostrating, prostrating on the floor actually, he used to tap Aisha, his wife, on her leg so she can move her leg so he can actually do sujood. That shows you how tiny their house was. Do you understand? <laughs> the Prophet ﷺ could not perform salah prayer comfortably in his house because of how tiny it was can you even fathom none of us has a room with that size like all of us our rooms just a room not the house just our bedrooms or any any room in the house we can fairly make prayer in it comfortably very comfortably with even somebody in the room as well at least but the Prophet Sallallahu house, entire house, he couldn't even perform salah in it, prayer in it, because of how short and tiny it was. It was reported actually by the scholars, like they, they did the measurement, and they said, I think it was 12 feet by 16 feet, the entire house. Either 16 by 16 or 12 by 16. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't remember the, the second number, but it was 16 feet, max by 16 feet. Can you imagine living in a house that is 16 feet? And when you put the bed and whatever, the, 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 the food stuff, yeah, there's no, if you think about it, there's no room for anybody to pray. So yeah. If you think your life is difficult and you don't have a big enough of a house, look at the house of the Prophet 
maximum 16 feet by 16 feet. An entire house. Bedroom, bathroom, kitchen, everything 16 feet by 16 feet. If you think that, you know, you don't have a good enough of a house or a small house. Great. All right. What else? The companions reported that sometimes they don't see smoke coming of the, you know, the house of the Prophet for months. What does that mean? That means they haven't, they don't have a cooked meal for months. Well, when you see smoke coming out, you know, the chimney or whatever, that means you're cooking something, you know, in your house. Nobody sees any type of smoke for months. That means the Prophet used to eat un like uh, either like uh, barley or like, you know, wheat or, you know, like uh, whatever vegetables that are raw, not cooked in any way. There's no meat. There's no bread. So, yeah. Again, if you think that you don't have uh, good enough food or you don't go out as much. Or you don't have enough meat on the table. Look at the Prophet ﷺ, how he lived his life, how he, he ate. Actually, Aisha Radjallahu his wife, said that we never had, the Prophet ﷺ never had two full meals a day, except that one of those meals was what? Dates and water. So basically, the Prophet ﷺ would have a meal, a full meal, and then the second full meal will always be dates and water. Or he would have half a meal or half a meal. Like he never had two full meals except one of them was dates and water. That's what you call two full meals. Again, <laughs> if you feel bad for yourself, for your situation, please. And this is the best man ever existed on this in this world. The best human being ever walked on this earth. Look at his life. Allah was testing him. By the way, you guys need to know that the most tested people are the prophets and messengers, just to let you know. He was not the only one who was tested. All the prophets were tested in one way or another. Just to let you know, just to clarify this, right? All right. He was also, the Prophet ﷺ was tested with what? With losing loved ones. If you think, okay, no food, no problem. House, small house, no problem. Wealth, no problem. But I lost people. Okay. The Prophet ﷺ was tested with losing almost all of his loved ones. The Prophet ﷺ buried seven, uh, buried six out of seven children. Six out of seven children, he buried them. The only child who remained alive after the Prophet ﷺ, uh, uh, death was Fatima, his daughter, and she passed away like weeks after. He buried. You know how difficult this is to bury all of your children, almost? All of your children except for one. The youngest was Ibrahim, uh, who passed away when he was a year and a half old. A year and a half. You know how difficult this age is to lose a child? It's so difficult. But the Prophet ﷺ said what? He cried that day. And I remember the, the, the hadith. He cried when he lost his, he had a, a really bad fever and he passed away, the Ibrahim, the child. And he said what? The eyes? Because the, 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 the companions, because the Prophet ﷺ never ever showed any type of like um, uh, mutiny or like, you know, uh, disagreeing with what, what, what Allah's destiny or, you know, um, rejection to Allah's destiny. So he cried that day and the companions were like, oh, you cry? Oh, Prophet of Allah, we never seen you cry like this. And he says what? Look at the beautiful hadith. He says the eyes cry. 
the heart is saddened. There's no doubt about it. I'm a human being. But I never say anything that would anger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning what? I never say something like, Oh Allah, why did you choose me? I'm your prophet. Why did you make me lose my little, you know, uh, my little son? Why didn't you wait until he grew up a little bit? Why? This is basically you are rejecting Allah's destiny. And the Prophet ﷺ knew better. He knew not to do that. And that's a form of patience. He cried and he was sad, but he was subtle about it. And he moved on. It's life. At the end of the day, you have to be patient. Life is worth nothing. And the Prophet ﷺ, among you know, like among everybody, he knew that the you know he was the best one to know this. That life is worth nothing. 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 So why would you not be patient when it comes to life? Life is worth nothing. Just wait for it. Wait for it. And it will be, you know, either you'll forget or you'll move on or your situation will be resolved or not. Life is not the end all of anything. Life is literally just a bridge between us and the eternal life, inshallah, the hereafter. It's just a bridge. So if you lose, uh, if you lose your patience, if you go nuts over something that happened in life, it's temporary anyway. We're all dying anyway. So why is it worth it? Do you see my point? And the Prophet ﷺ knew that very well. He was focused on the hereafter. And that's why, again, it's all coming from faith. How strong the level or how high the level of your faith is. Faith is. The higher the level of your faith, the more patient you are. So you do the math. He lost his wife, Khadija. And his uncle in the same week almost. He lost a lot of loved ones. His grandfather, when his grandfather started taking care of him, he lost him. When his mother started taking care of him, he lost her. He lost his dad before he was, you know, um, a full, like, aware at an early stage. He lost everyone. The Prophet ﷺ lost everyone of his loved ones and his family members. So if you think you, lo you lost a loved one person or two people and you can't handle it, look at the Prophet ﷺ burying six out of seven children. Losing every father figure he had in his life. His grandfather, his uncle, his actual father, you know. The Prophet ﷺ was also tested with rejection. If you feel like you were rejected by your family, for, for example, for, for, for the reverts, right? Or the converts. And they feel like they're having such a hard time dealing with their family members. And they can't take it anymore. They're not patient enough. Or for the Muslims, the original Muslims, who are dealing with their family members, dealing with people who are or friends who are not that close with them, and they feel frustrated by it, and they feel like, you know, their life is uh, living hell. All right. The Prophet ﷺ, when he started preaching Islam, he was rejected in a crazy way. People thought he was crazy. They called him crazy. Some of them called him what? Magician. When they, you know, 
uh, heard him reciting the Quran and the Quran was hitting them so hard. They were like, oh, this guy, he's uh, communicating with the, with the jinn, with the, with the devil. He's a magician. He made a deal with the devil. He's insane. Oh, he's saying, oh, we should worship one God. Are you crazy? Guess what? He went to a place called a Ta'if. It was a, a, a town uh, close to his, his hometown to preach Islam to it. And he went and took one of the companions with him. And then when he went to talk to the leaders of that town, they made fun of him. So he walked away and then he went and talked to the people in the town now. He was like, okay, if, if the leaders don't want to listen, maybe the, you know, uh, the youngsters or, you know, the, the normal people, the, the, um, um, you know, the, the people of the town would hear me out. And when they found out, the leaders, that he's preaching Islam to people, they send little children with rocks to throw the rocks at him while he's preaching. And they, everybody started throwing rocks at him that he started bleeding our Prophet ﷺ bleeding from everywhere in his body, from head to toe. And the companion narrates and says that he's reporting that the blood was dripping on the sandals of the Prophet ﷺ. That's how bad it was. And they chased him out of the town. Did he give up? Let me tell you what happened after this. They chased him out of the town and he went to a mountain and then he sat with the companion and he was very upset. But do you know why he was upset? Let me tell you why he was upset. Not because he was rejected. He knew that was part of the job. He knew that it was okay to be rejected as long as you're on the side of Allah. It's fine. Because before then, Angel Gabriel, the one, the angel who delivers the revelation to him, who always comes down to him once in a while to give him, you know, pieces of the Quran and verses, hasn't showed up for months. And this happened to him, so he thought Allah was mad at him. And this was a punishment from Allah. So this is what he does. He looks up and he says, Oh Allah, if this is a punishment from you, if this is you being mad at me, please let me know and I repent. But if this is not the case, I'm okay with it. Look at this. He was so scared. That's what, all what he cared about. The pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's all he cared about, guys. That's all he cared about. Oh Allah, if this is an indication that you're not pleased with me, please give me a sign so I can repent to you. But if it's not, if it's just, you know, a test, I'm patient and don't worry about it. I'm okay with it and I'm more than happy to do even more. That was the Prophet's concern that it's, um, uh, uh, that it's a punishment from Allah because Allah was not pleased with him. But anything else? Oh, I'm fine with it. I can take more than that. Way more than that. And then what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends Gabriel to him and tells him what? Allah has heard you. And then he sends an angel with Gabriel. And this angel was called the angel of the mountains. Now this town that we're talking about, that they you know humiliated the Prophet sallam, that town was uh, 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 placed or located between two mountains, two large mountains. So it was like down a hill. So the angel of the mountains, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Oh, salam upon you, O Prophet of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Salaam alaikum. And then he said, Command me. This is the angel of the mountains. And I will make the two mountains 
collapse on one another. Basically, I'm going to crush the town between the two mountains. Just command me. Now, if you were in the, in, in the Prophet ﷺ's position and you were physically and mentally humiliated by people, what would you do? When some like uh, angel or like, let's say in today's world, a genie comes out and be like, tell me, what do you want me to do to them? Most of us would be like, yeah, destroy them. They humiliated me, they tortured me physically and mentally, just end it. But guess what the Prophet ﷺ said? He said, no, 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 no. Do not harm them. Instead, I'll make dua, supplication to Allah, that from them comes out good Muslims who know the truth about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And guess what, subhanAllah, from them was the famous Khalid ibn al-Walid. From them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listened to the Prophet and accepted his dua and gave us uh, some of the finest companions from such a town. Again, that's what the Prophet ﷺ, all he cared about. He was patient. He was not angry. He was not like, oh, uh, uh, I'm going to, you know, uh, he was not, um, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, uh, like he didn't hold a grudge. He didn't want vengeance. And no, no, no. He was way better than us. He was way better. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him to be the final prophet and messenger. We should learn from him. That's, that was his life. His whole family members cast him away because he was a Muslim and preaching Islam. Do you know? So yeah. If you think your life is too difficult, well, take a look at the life of the Prophet ﷺ. At the end of the day, you have to understand. Another, another story is the story of Prophet Ayyub or Jacob. Famous story about patience. When, when you mention Ayyub or Jacob to any Muslim, they know it's all about patience. You know, he had the best looks. He had the, uh, the perfect family. He was wealthy. He was a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's preaching uh, Islam, you know, to his people. And one day Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took everything from him. Allah gave him a disease that was very contagious that people started running away from him. They wouldn't even like say hi to him in the street. So he had to stay home. And because of that disease, he couldn't work. So they lost money. You know, his wife uh, became sick and ill. And then she also decided to go out instead of her husband and to disguise as a man so she could work. And she kept telling him, you are the prophet of Allah. Make dua to Allah to lift this calamity. Guess what Ayub said? Allah has been blessing us with wealth and so many things and family and good reputation for years and years and for a little bit of time that we lost all this. Now I'm like defying Allah and like I can't take it. We took it when we lived a good life, but we can't take it for just a tiny bit. Look at the faith. Here comes the faith again. Your level of faith makes you the perfect patient. The more faith you have, the more patient you are. And guess what? It was a test. And when Ayub insisted, insisted on being patient, and he knew that was from Allah, this was a test. I'll wait. I'll be patient because I have trust in Allah. Trust in Allah is a key, guys. Trust in Allah is a key. It's key. Guess what Allah did? Lifted all of this and brought him back to his previous status and even better 
Don't get frustrated so easily. Just wait. Trust in Allah. Make dua. Do what you have to do. Nobody's telling you to just wait. Do what you have to do, but be patient when it comes to the results. Wait for it. So that's basically it. What you're experiencing in our, what we are facing in our lives right now is nothing compared to what the prophets and messengers. Again, everybody was tested. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ali is here to help. Ali invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. And here's um, a key point that I want to point out here. Um, and this is a hadith from the Prophet. He said, What? If anything, Every person is being tested based on their level of faith. So the harder the test, that means the the bigger or the better or the highest or the higher faith you have. The bigger the test, the higher faith you have. That's why the most tested people on this planet are the prophets and messengers because they have way higher faith than we do. So rest assured that when you're tested, and it's difficult that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that you could, you know, um, overcome this by being patient, by doing the right thing, by making dua. Allah, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah will never give you more than you can handle. This is in the Quran. لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah does not give you more than you can handle. Everything Allah gives you, trust me, Allah knows that you can handle. No matter how maybe impossible it looks, deep down you have to understand Allah is fair, even with the disbeliever, by the way. Allah will give you, will never give you more than you can handle. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts from all of us and gives us patience. And just one final point. Imagine this. Patience comes from Allah because it comes from the level of your faith, right? So the more faithful you are, the more faith you have, the more, uh, the, the more Allah gives you when it comes to patience. And even though patience comes from Allah, Allah rewards you for it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So if you're patient, Allah rewards you even though it's coming from Allah because you, are, you have a higher level of faith. So again, be patient because you're going to get rewarded in this life when it comes to be, having a peace of mind and going to be rewarded in the hereafter in terms of, you know, good deeds because you were patient to Allah's calamities and, you know, uh, hardship. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us. And thank you so much for listening. And inshallah, I'll tackle more questions uh, that were asked by Carolyn, inshallah, for in the next episode. Um, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.